0: Message this morning uh, is titled Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. We've heard that before, haven't we? Right. That that's that's a, a maxim that uh, encapsulates the very heart and soul of the gospel message. Uh, this is the first Sunday of the month, and in, in addition to uh, Resurrection Sunday, and every first Sunday, we take communion together. So maybe we'll just give you a heads up. Those that are uh, watching online, if you want to get uh, some you know, something ready for communion elements, we'll be taking communion at the end. But you know, communion is is a little mini uh, opportunity for us to. reflect, to remember, to worship uh, in light of the core, most important things, the vital things that are the gospel. And the word gospel means good news. Here on Resurrection Sunday morning, we have good news. We're going to be talking about some of the details of that good news uh, as we look through the message here today. And I also want to say, uh, as we look at, at this, this maxim that you know, we've received from, from the ancient church, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again, uh, there, there is great hope that we look at uh, a, as we celebrate resurrection life and the idea that we will spend eternity with the Lord Oftentimes in our busy hustle and bustle lives, we lose sight of the fact and Christ will come again. And and as we look to that truth here this morning, I pray that it would be a comfort for us in light of this season that we are in together as a church family. So again, there might be some folks that are brand new here in the sanctuary, and we welcome all of our guests, maybe some that are watching online that are brand new. Uh, But we've had um, uh, just, it was uh, two weeks ago, uh, Sunday evening, where our founding pastor uh, was promoted to heaven, went home to be with the Lord. And, uh, you know, we're talking this uh, is a church that is, uh, you know, 30-something years old, a church that was founded in his living room. And Pastors Walt and Maureen uh, had, had been our senior pastors all through the years. And in these very recent years, uh, moved to that place of mom and dad of the house, spiritual mother and father over the, over the house here. And Pastor Walt's teaching and his mentoring has continued uh, right up into, uh, to, uh, until a, a few weeks before he went home to be with the Lord. And so what that means for us as a church family is uh, there is a processing through. uh, There is a walking through grief. Um, I I was really, uh, I was grateful to the Lord. You you know, um, I can tell you the staff has been very much seeking God's face that we want to speak in step with heaven. Uh, that we just don't want to do same old, same old as we move through these next several weeks. And I was encouraged, uh, even some, some testimony from some folks who were saying, gee, I didn't even realize I was, I was dealing with grief. I didn't even realize how grief might look in my life and, and uh, that they found it a, a, a meaningful thing for us to take time over these couple of weeks and then just allow God to walk us through the, this process here of grieving. And so I say that uh, in light of, you know, here we, here we are, Resurrection Sunday morning it is the most upbeat we want to shout on the top of our lungs because he lives we will live forever and at the same time we're here rustling through the, this this huge thing that we have faced in knowing that we have not said goodbye but that we have had to say farewell for now uh, to Pastor Walt. So by God's grace, we're going to navigate through this season as well as celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because the bottom line is uh, in Christ there is hope. Because of Christ, there is hope. And that's what we're going to zero in on here. And and it's my prayer that uh, we would be not only encouraged in knowing he's everything and he needs to maintain, uh, he needs to be maintained as everything in our lives, uh, but he is also comfort during these seasons where we might be grieving. Can you say amen? All right, so Christ has died, Christ has, is risen, and Christ will come again. Let's start off here. Uh, we, we looked, you know, as we acknowledged Good Friday, we looked at Christ has died. And we realize that because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, we have been made right with the Father. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, uh, we have had our sin debt forgiven. We had Jesus do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And, you know, as we take communion together, uh, it's, it's part of God's plan for us that we would never forget the great price that was paid for our lives, that great price that was given as ransom. But all of it comes from the acknowledgement that God loves us with an everlasting love. Romans 5.8 says, But God proved His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know how many people you know who would die for you. I don't think I know many people who would die for me. But God sent his son to pay our debt, to pay our penalty. And there's never been a time in your life, there's never been a time in my life where God has stopped loving you. And he's never loved you any more or any less than he does right now because his love is not based on your performance. How many would say, I'm sure glad his love for me is not based on my performance, right? It's based uh, on, um, it's all based in just that, that God is love and God has a plan, God has a purpose and God has goals for our lives. As, as we live uh, walking through this journey of life on this earth, there's an overarching purpose and plan that God has for every one of us. And in that plan is ultimately to experience and to know his love, to know his love so that we would be saved, but then to know his love that we would walk with him through life. And again, the love of God covers all, it conquers all, it's greater than anything else. Ephesians 3.18 says, uh, you, you know, we're kind of catching um, Paul mid-thought here, and he talks about having power, and he says, together with all of the Lord's people. So we're having power together with all the Lord's people to grasp How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. When we talk about how wide is the love of Christ, God's love is wide enough to include everybody. Everybody. When Jesus died on the cross, he did the work once and for all, for all who had lived, all who were alive at the time, all who would ever live. Now it's it's the, the imperative that we go communicate that good news so that people could receive, so that people could live in light of that great love that was expressed on the cross. How long? Well, it's long enough to last forever. You know, human love can wane, human, uh, human love can fade, human love can die out and run out, but God's love, it's eternal, it lasts forever. When we talk about how high is the love of God, God's love is high enough to be everywhere. You can never go anywhere that God's love doesn't go with you. Uh, we're, we're told in the word that we can't be separated from his love if we've accepted it, and he's living on the inside of our heart. Is that good news for anybody this morning? And then how deep? It's deep enough to meet your need. When you're in deep despair, God's love is deeper. Maybe there's some that would even say, well, I'm in the pit right now. Maybe it's a financial pit. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's a relational pit. Uh, Maybe you're waiting for the test results to come back. Maybe some are, are just being gripped with fear. Maybe bankruptcy is trying to loom in the background. Maybe you're, you're uh, fighting in your home right now. Whatever the pit is, God's love is greater than the pit, and he comes to meet you in whatever circumstance you're in because that love, it, it is forever, it is eternal, and it is greater than anything else on the planet. We, we have news and we have uh, this just this fallen nature that people walk in in humanity that would want to capitalize all that's negative, all that would fragment, all that would tear down, all that, that would break. And God says, don't worry, my love is greater than all of that. The goal for us is to not get dragged down into that stuff, but to make sure that we walk in the love of God. So, we need God's love in our lives. Uh, it's going to make a difference. These four dimensions of God's love, how high and wide and long and deep, they're simply four dimensions of the cross. That, that's what God's love is ultimately all about. It, it's ultimately expressed in the cross for us. So, Christ has died. Because he has died, we can live. And now we're going to talk about Christ is risen. And so, because he loved us and Jesus died and he rose... And just as we sang, as we worshiped, now he is alive, and he is alive forevermore. What does that mean for us? Because he is alive, we can come alive. John fourteen nineteen uh, says it this way. Uh, this is in the paraphrase, the message. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive, and you're about to come alive. And every person who says yes to Christ and he comes to live in our heart, we come alive for eternity. That's, that's the gospel. Second Corinthians 5.15, he included everyone in his death so everyone could be included in his life. A far better life than people have lived on their own. A far better life. Man, I tell you, the devil has done a really good job of painting a twisted picture of what it is to turn our lives over to Jesus Christ. It's almost this picture of, man, if I turn to God, oh, I'm going to do without, oh, my life is going to go from here down to here, but yet the Lord lets us know, no, I have come that you might have life and a better life. Better than what? Better than anything else we can do without having him. Amen? So what is this better life he offers? Well, it's a life filled with meaning. Christ gives meaning to your life, it says in Colossians 3, 4. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've, this is 1 Peter chapter 1. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and that future starts now. It's a brand new life that stretches into eternity, and it's a life that begins and starts now. But what what else is is notable about this better life? Well, it's a life that is freed. It's brought freedom by grace. And Romans 7 says it this way, we're free to live a new life in the freedom of God. We're free to live a new life in the freedom of God. It's, It's a paradox. The Lord says, hey, surrender everything so that you can be completely free. Again, that's something that the enemy has twisted in our world. Not, not turn to God and on come the chains. Turn to God and on, on come the limitations. And the Lord says, no, nope, this is a faith walk. Surrender all to me so that you can be completely free. And then in 1 Timothy 2, it says he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. So it's, it's grace. But then it's also a life full of strength. As we work through challenging days, as we work through dark days in our world around us, it's a life full of strength. Zechariah 4 6 says, You will not succeed by your own strength or power. Come on, just give a wave if you've ever tried to do it in your own strength or power. I know I have. It's not the best way to do it, amen? He says, You won't succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then Romans 8. Verse 11, this is in the J.B. Phillips translation. It says, uh, once the Spirit lives within you, He will bring to your whole being new strength and vitality. We can literally walk in the strength and the life of God right here and right now. So Christ has died. He bore our sins on the cross so that our payment could be made. And he rose from the dead so that we could have eternal life, so that we could live for for him and with him forever. Life that affects eternity, but life that can be lived right now. But you know also, Christ will come again. And again, as we look to communion, as we look to the, the very core basics of the gospel message, it is Christ has died, Christ, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And I want to take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and just for the remainder of our time, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at these verses. Uh, starting with verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So that you will not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. But we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep That says, thank you for the cross, thank you for the resurrection, and now I'm going to do my thing until I see you face to face someday. And that so falls short of what God wants to experience with us as we walk with him. But it also falls short of how God wants to mightily work through us in the world around us. See, if we, we grab a hold of that mindset, I'm so thankful for the cross, I'm so thankful for the resurrection... I'm just going to do my thing. But the scripture, it's filled with places where it says, set your minds and set your hearts on things above. You know, set your minds and your hearts on Christ will come again. So that in the very best of times, we are not lulled into complacency. Can you say amen? So we're not lulled into just, you know, well, what we read about in the scripture is one of the cautions that was given to the people of Israel. When you go into the land of plenty and when all of your enemies are, are kept at bay and now, you, you know, there's, there's nothing pressing your life to where you have to cling to God, be careful that you don't get deluded and lukewarm and just forget about your God. And, and wouldn't you know, God gave that warning and that's just what happened. But, you know, as, as we're encouraged as New Testament Christians to take communion, as often as you do this, remember the high price that was paid on the cross. Remember that Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, we have eternal life. We have a far better life. And then also, as we do life in this world and we have, to transact, we have to transact in this world, we have relationships, we have day-to-day things that have to be done, we have vocation, we have goals, we have all these things, but all of that is to be built on this idea, but Christ will come again. Amen. We're even warned in scripture where it says, hey, there are those that are saying, hey, he still hasn't come back yet. Ah, let's just do our own thing. Right, and Scripture tells us, no, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like the day is like a day. The Lord is saying, no, He will still come back. And so we're in this age right now. We're in this place right now, where first and foremost, mission is that the whole world might know that Jesus died for the sins of all, so that everybody could turn to Him and receive eternal life. I love it how you know one of the Gospels that doesn't just say go and share the good news; it says preach the gospel to all of creation. You know, I just you know, you know, we can go out and you know, be shouting into our garden in the backyard, shouting out to you know, it just just all of creation to know this fallen world. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus died so that no person needs to be left in the despair in the darkness of this fallen world. Nobody needs to be left in the hopelessness of their own sin. Jesus covered it and Jesus paid for it. And wow, when we live in the idea of, wow, th- th- there's coming a day where this age is going to close and there's coming a day where no more is there going to be a preaching of the gospel because Jesus is going to come from heaven and he's going to set foot on this earth and we will be in an entirely different era. Come on, church, wave at me if you know that's Bible 101. You know, that's not out there somewhere. That is the gospel. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And there's nothing like being committed to remember he's coming again, so I will fix my eyes and my mind on things above so that we don't get distracted and taken out either by all of the things that would be pleasant distraction in this world or get taken out by all of the tough things that come our way in this life. Man, may we be the brand of believers on this resurrection Sunday morning that the harder it gets, the more difficult it is. We just look to heaven and say, well, Lord, one day closer to your coming, right? Amen. One day closer to your coming. And so interesting, this whole picture of the second coming of the Lord is laid out for us. And and in verse 18, it says, so encourage each other, comfort each other with these words. And again, grace and peace, family, I would say that that's that's a fresh rhema word for us in this season here at Grace and Peace. And so I just want to unpack this a little bit, and then we're going to take communion together. Uh, So, you, you know, Paul was addressing church members that had recently lost a loved one. And so I do want to make a comment here now that we're not just literally talking about, you know, Pastor Walt here in these last couple of weeks, but perhaps for many of us who would say, man, I have loved ones who have gone on before me that I know I'll see again. We can encourage each other with these words. And notice as the world grieves without hope, we're given something different. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like all the rest of mankind who have no hope. Right. So let's just acknowledge a couple of things. So notice scriptures, the Scripture does say you're going to grieve just as somebody without hope. So first of all, grieving and mourning is natural. And I I realize, can I just say, church, I realize as as I talk about some of these things, sometimes these are things when we're dealing with them, we don't want to talk about them. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. Sometimes when we're grieving and somebody starts saying, hey, let's talk about your grieving, you know, a little, little anger, a little ire can get up and say, I don't think so. I don't want to. You know, uh, so that's why, you know, I don't want to be intrusive, but at the same time, I want us to have some things that Holy Spirit can minister to our hearts in the days and weeks to come. So our mourning is natural. Paul isn't saying we shouldn't be sad when a loved one passes. Psalm 116 verse 15 says, precious in the sight of our Lord is the death of his godly ones. Precious in the sight of our Lord. Wow. Precious, that word, precious in the sight of our Lord, actually means this this connotation, like precious stones or precious possession, like treasures. Like these are treasures, costly, expensive. And the Lord does his work on earth through people, so it makes sense that their passing would be costly. And he knows our loss because he experienced it with us. Right? We could literally go back to the story in the Bible of Lazarus who died and is put in the tomb. And Jesus knows he's going to go and raise Lazarus from the tomb. We read about it in John 11. He looks around and he sees the mourning. He sees the brokenness. He sees the pain. He sees the effect of, of, uh, of, the, of death. And, and, and we're told Jesus weeps. It says Jesus wept. And so we know that departed believers will be resurrected, but it's being apart from them that causes the natural grief. So there's grief, but there is a supernatural rejoicing that can happen at the same time. Could somebody say amen? Supernatural rejoicing. Paul explains that we can react differently than those who don't have any hope. Even though we grieve, the Lord is with us through it all. And as believers, we have comfort and hope regarding the future. Hey, the future now sometimes has some bumps to it, sometimes has some pain to it. But the ultimate future for believers, church, it's as good as it gets. There is no better future there than the future that belongs to you because you belong to Jesus Christ. And we have great hope in that. Amen. So... We know our departed loved ones who are fellow believers are now with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8 shares that, And, and Scripture even calls them blessed. Uh, but, you know, an important reality, Paul reminds us that if we believe the gospel, we also believe in the second coming of Christ. So interesting, Paul is saying, hey, there's some of you, you're really, really down. You're, you're, you're upset concerning the passing of loved ones. Because remember, they're waiting for the day of the Lord. You know, they got the teaching on the day of the Lord right there as, as the church has been birthed, you know? So, so they're waiting any day now. You know, so here we are a couple thousand years later, and again, people who don't know God and kingdom principles are saying, this is not coming. He's not coming back. It's been 2,000 years. And that's why Holy Spirit way back then had Peter write, 1,000 years is like a day, and a day is like a 1,000 years. From God's perspective, it's only been a couple of days, man. He's he's still coming back. And so so as Paul is comforting them about this whole deal here uh, of, of believers passing, he says, I can't talk about this without talking about the return of the Lord. So When we're dealing with loss, there is no topic that's of greater comfort to us than the topic of resurrection. It's the true hope that only Christians have, which again goes back to why we got to live on point. We got to live praying for people who don't know Christ. We have to live sold out for him. Not everybody is called to be an evangelist with their mouth, but you know what? The word beautifully says all about us. We are living epistles. Epistles is a New Testament word for letter. We are living love letters that Jesus is alive, that God is real, and that he loves the world. Imperfections is all, you you, you know, with with all of it. Imperfect, flawed, all these different things, God will show his nature and his love through us uh, to the world around us. So Paul goes on to describe this picture of the privilege that those who have passed are gonna experience. And again, I think this is kind of cool. It can make me smile in, in the face of my grief, I, I pray that it would make you s- smile as well. Uh, let, let's go back to s- uh, Thessalonians um, chapter 4, verses 14 and 15 again. It says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, God will bring with Jesus, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So here's the bottom line, right? Church, can you imagine the day, what it's going to be like? It's not going to so catch us off guard that we are completely clueless, but we're not going to know the day or the hour. Bible says we'll know times and seasons, but we need to live sober. We need to live with our eyes and our thoughts on him. But church, there's coming a day where he's going to split the heavens. Not the baby in the manger, but the lion of the tribe of Judah, king of kings, lord of lords. is going to split the heavens and come to earth, but he's not going to be alone. He's going to have not only the great crowd of witnesses that we read about in the Word of God, but he is going to have every believer who is not on this earth that has been promoted to heaven is going to be coming back with him when he comes back to the earth. Oh man, that is such an encouraging, that is such a hope-filling thought. We grieve their loss, but we anticipate the day when they will be the first to see the resurrected Christ return for his people. What a privilege they have stepped into. And then verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. When Christ comes a second time, like I said, it's not going to be the the baby in the manger. It's not going to be a star guiding this caravan of wise men, but it's going to be hosts upon hosts upon hosts of all those that belong to Christ that have gone on before us are going to be those that accompany him when he returns. Man, there is no sci-fi movie. There is no fantasy movie. There is no no thing that's been ever put to film. Uh, I I don't care if you're James Cameron or or, uh, Lucasfilm or any of this stuff compared to the picture of what this is gonna be like when the Lord returns to the earth with all those. He's gonna just, they're gonna pour out of heaven and come and land on the earth. And then church, that means there is gonna be a triumphant reunion. Verse 17, and after that, we who are still alive and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Just want to let that sink in for a minute, what that's going to be like. Grand reunion right there. We'll be reunited with all our fellow believers whom we have lost. uh, And all together, we'll be united with Christ in all his glory for the rest of eternity. And again, uh, we're told in Scripture, therefore, encourage each other with these words. So, you know, it does a couple of things to encourage us. If we're distracted, if our eyes are off the Lord, this encourages us, hey, we got a race to run. It encourages us, hey, let's be about our father's business. It encourages us, let's be sober-minded. Let's, let's be vigilant, you know, to be about the things that, that God has called us to be about. And then for, for those who might be saying, hey, I'm just, just kind of hurting you know, where I'm just kind of a little bit put off on what What do I do now? How do I navigate? How do I move forward? And we're ultimately encouraged in knowing, man, there is coming a day of reunion. That each day that goes by is one day closer than it was before. You know, kind of interesting, right? We've done this series on the end times, navigating the end times. Uh, this really, I guess, turns into a message that really goes back and sort of completes for us what we wanted to talk about as we looked at the end times. You know, uh, just this this entire picture of ultimately we want to live with our eyes on Him, with our focus on Him, to live the life He has called us to live. Can you say amen? amen? Hey, why don't we go ahead and open our communion and why don't we get ready to take communion together? You know, we know for sure when it comes to communion, the Lord wanted communion to be a regular habit, but He didn't want it to become a routine or a ritual that we go through. He didn't want it to be mindless. He didn't want it to be just a religious observance for us. But it, it, it's meant to be fellowship with each other, and even more, it's meant to be fellowship with Him. I guess more correctly stated, it's meant to be fellowship with him, with each other. And so as we prepare to do this right now, let's, let's go back and let's remember, you know, we have, you know, I was thinking, you know, over the last couple thousand years, all of the saints, all of those from those we read about in the book of Acts you know, to the early church fathers and, you know, all those in that era, all through these last hundreds and and couple thousand years who have been faithful, devoted followers of Jesus Christ that are now worshiping with him that are going to be among that great cloud that comes back with Jesus when he comes back to the earth. What What a great, great, sobering, deeply, deeply encouraging truth to recognize this we all have an opportunity to serve the purposes of God in our generation throughout the ages there have been those that have been running with God's purposes and then as their life ends they are promoted to be with the Lord and then that next generation comes behind and has that baton passed to them that would say, that would have the call to them, serve the purposes of God in your generation. And then that generation will go through their lives and then go on. And, and, and I am just thinking, man, over the years, over the years, over the years, you know, what, what, what would the Lord want to remind us of uh, as we prepare to take communion here this morning, that there is no greater thing that could be spoken about us. Should the Lord not return while we're here on this earth and we see him face to face and there's a gravestone with a statement on it regarding our life you know we might have clever things you know little maxims things that we want to share but I I think from from an eternal perspective no greater thing can be shared about us as a matter of fact this is what was said of David He he served the purposes of God in his generation and then he fell asleep So I guess, you know, maybe to parallel that is to stand before him and have him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So I just want to encourage you. We're we're going to get ready to just sort of pray, pray, just recommit ourselves afresh to the Lord on this Resurrection Sunday here. He's not looking to say, well done, my perfect servant. Thank God for that. Good and faithful. Good is, Lord, I've been pointed toward you the whole time. Faithful is, Lord, the distractions, the difficulties, the heartbreaking things, whatever came down the road, I didn't give up. By your grace, I just got up one more time, then I got knocked on my tail. And then the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. Church, more than ever before, I want to live as one who serves the purposes of God in my generation. And when we talk about our generation, there's, there's multitudes of generations on the earth right now, right? Uh, they call my generation Generation X. There's the Millennials. Uh, there's, uh, they got all different names from now, the Zoomers and all these different things. What, what I'm saying is we do all need each other. Everybody, in in your season of life that you're in right now, you have something very, very vital to offer to God's purposes in this generation. Amen? So on this Resurrection Sunday morning, may we say to the Lord, in all that I'm walking through right now, in all that our world, our nation is walking through right now, I'm yours. And I want you to fulfill your purposes in me. Let's pray. Father, we give you glory here today. We give you honor on this precious Resurrection Sunday morning. And Lord, we recognize that for this particular church family, this is is different than maybe any other Resurrection Sunday than we'll experience. But Lord, we want to be in tune with the voice of your Spirit. Lord, we want to be sober to your good purposes for our lives And so, God, we pray here today, all of us, in all different places in our walk with you, all different places in what we're experiencing in our season here at GAP and in our season here in this nation and this season here in our world. And God, we just give it all over to you. Lord, as we prepare to take this communion, we thank you that the shedding of the blood of Jesus on that cross has broken every sin, every chain off of our lives, and the breaking of of your body, Jesus, that means that we have been made whole. So we receive your cleansing, we receive your freedom, we receive your wholeness. And in that, it's our declaration. We say, God, work in us. We want to serve the purposes of God in this generation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.